0: All right, so I am excited to start a three-part series called Thanks and Giving. Thanks and Giving. And we're going to jump right in. My subject today is called The Temptation to Grumble. The Temptation to Grumble. Are you ready for the word today? All right. There's a movie series from the 1990s. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about, huh? (laughs) About two men named Max Goldman and John Gustafson. Anybody know what I'm talking about just yet? Nobody? Maybe one. Max Goldman and John Gustafson, and one of the reasons these movies, two movies, were received so well was because, as Hollywood can do, they allowed us to witness these two main characters, these two men that were played by Walter Matthew and John Lemon, they got away with some exaggerated attitudes and behaviors on the premise or blaming it all on grumpiness. Because these characters were able to express their irritability through comedy, automatically the movies became an audience favorite. However, if we were to practice their words and if you and I were to practice their actions off screen, I can assure you that we would be far from anyone's favorite. Because in reality, no one likes to spend time with a complainer. No one likes to spend time with a grumbler. Studies have shown that there are a few things that are more harmful to your health than a bad attitude. Because our attitudes begin with the mindset and our approach and how we're seeing things. Because if our perspective is stuck in a constant state of negativity, our body, our behaviors, our mental, our emotional state, and even our physical health will begin to take on the posture of negativity. It affects everything that we are as a whole being. A study from the University of Minnesota stated that having a bad attitude, having a negative attitude can, are you ready for this? It creates chronic stress, which upsets the body's hormone balance. It depletes the brain chemicals that are required for happiness and it damages the immune system. It's a lot to take in, isn't it? My bad attitude has that ability to affect my body in that state. The apostle Paul said this because research can say one thing, but let's look at what has the most weight on our lives as bodies as a body of believers. And that is the word of God. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians two, fourteen. He said, do all things, do all things without grumbling. Yes, all things. You heard right. Wake up with a sore throat, receive criticism, pay a parking ticket or a speeding ticket. When people show up unexpected at your house. When you have to discipline your children, when you have to change a flat tire, when you have to answer an email that you really don't want to, do everything else in this life without one complaining word. But the truth is that many of us in this place wake up with our mode set to grumble. Why do I have to wake up this earth? And move through our days complaining at a great variety of objects that get in our way. What does that mean? Because we may dress it up in a nicer way. We call it venting, we call it being honest, we call it getting something off my chest, or we even go to the extreme of saying, Can I share a prayer request? and then proceed to just complain about your husband, your wife, whatever it may be. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a healthy way of being able to communicate and discuss, but I have to look at the root cause. And if it makes you feel any better, just say he's talking to himself and he's letting us overhear his conversation. God knows what we're doing, and if we really think about it, we often know what we're doing also. Because grumbling is the hum quiet noise that you hear of a fallen human heart, and it is often the hallmark of a Christian's hidden sin, indwelling sin, what's on the inside. So I want to look at a few things today that stand in the way. I want to look at the temptation to grumble because we always look and we can easily point the finger at the temptation to be to, to do something that is just so public, like, like, uh, whether it may, it may be something that, that hits the headlines or whether it may be something like uh, alcohol or, or drugs or, or pornography. It can be something. We, we tend to look at temptation as that. But can I tell you that we also have to fight the temptation to, to complain. We have to understand our posture and our position in God and know that he takes care of us. And I have to be, guard my heart. So I want to look at the obstacles of gratitude and gratitude. Webster's Dictionary defines ingratitude as the failure or refusal to acknowledge receipt of something good from another or the forgetfulness or the poor return of kindness. It's a choice. Ingratitude is a choice to not recognize the good or the kindness that is alive and very present in our lives. And it is a choice and it is the approach and the ability to take the mindset of the the grumpy old man or the grumpier old men. And the Bible is full of stories that originate from the heart of ingratitude. And it warns us and it cautions us to not take this same mindset, because many of the most disheartening stories that you will find in the Bible began with a spirit of ingratitude. From the very beginning, you've heard the story of Cain killing his brother Abel, both brothers, we understand that they offered a sacrifice to God, that Abel's sacrifice was acceptable. Cain's was not. Knowing that Cain's was given from an ungrateful heart, God rejected his offering. God rejected his offering. Cain's ungrateful spirit sparked a wave of anger, and it just kept on going, which convinced Cain that, that the answer to, to be able to solve his wounded pride that was on the inside was not a reflection of his ungrateful service, no, but, but his solution was to murder his own brother. Ingratitude begins in small ways. And it's often masked by other emotions, by other thoughts, by other behaviors. However, can I tell you today that it may, though it may be one of the least apparent sins, it drives a costly price. However, I want to tell you again that it may be a least apparent sin. I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as, as him or I'm not as bad as her because I just, I just complain a lot. I just complain a lot. And and some some people may be just so caught up in complaining that you can't stand to be near somebody optimistic. You can't can't stand to be close to somebody that just is always so cheerful. I I remember hearing the story of this one brother in church and he was always just so jolly and and he would always find the good in everything. I need some people like that. I I need to be better in, in these areas and and one time uh, they tried to corner him. I guess they were just trying to see if, if he could talk bad about something. And the worship team on that, that day um, didn't sing so well, didn't sing so well. So they asked him, hey, what do you think about the worship this morning? He stops for a minute and says, you know what? The song selection was just so incredible. The words, when you look at the words, it just blesses my soul. It blessed my heart. So they walked away frustrated. This man walked away frustrated, saying, Man, he can't talk bad about anybody. And then the then he goes, Well, how about the pastor? He he didn't do very good today. He didn't do very good today. He goes, you know what? I really like the scripture that he chose. It was just very encouraging. I went home and I read it and it it blessed my life. And he was like, Man, there is nobody that he will talk about. He goes, So, what do you think about the devil? He goes, He's a good liar. We need some optimism in our lives. We need, we need to be positive. We, but it's more than just a mindset. It is a spirit of gratitude of knowing, you know what, I am where I am because of God's goodness. I am where I am because of his faithfulness. And not just to have that approach, but you, if, if, if it weren't for God and his mercy, I wouldn't even be here today. It's about having that approach and that mindset and saying, you know what, everything that I have is because of him. Let's look at Israel's attitude in its earliest days after they exited Egypt. The initial grumble is found in Exodus chapter 16. God sends Moses to take his people out of captivity. They go out. He had promised a land that flowed of milk and honey. But they are going through the desert. They're going through this wilderness. And after 45 days of travel, the Bible tells us that Israel, Israel's resources began to run dry, and with, with these dwindling resources, they began to, to, to be overwhelmed by their hunger and by their exhaustion, and the, the excitement of escaping their enemies had, had started to dwindle. Their new sense of, of freedom was quietly just moved to the back burner because of the physical need that they had, and they began to grumble. Exodus 16, 12 says, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Exodus 16, 3 says that the Israelites said to them, If we only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. This is how bad it was for them. They said, I would have rather died in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve. This entire assembly to death, just as we struggle with the gravity of our physical needs, so did Israel. So did Israel, overcome by their fear and overcome by their hunger. Israel's focus all of a sudden just shifted from the great work that God had done in their lives to the the very present need that they had in their life. Overcome by the fear of hunger, they shifted And they said, you know what, they looked at where they could get what they wanted and what they desired, which was Egypt. Their complaint surpassed their empty bellies to resolve that Egypt could better care for them in their time of need. Exodus 16, 4 says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven that you should grumble against us. Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling. This is what Moses and Aaron said. You're not grumbling against us. You're grumbling against him. So the Lord, the Bible tells us, he heard their grumble and he graciously provided for his children because God always takes care of us. So he sends them quail from the sky, and he birthed manna that came up from the ground. However, Moses takes this moment and he takes, his, takes it as a teaching opportunity and he addresses the toxic attitudes that are, in, that are within the camp. So in essence, what we understand here is that Moses warns the people of Israel by saying, hey, this attitude, this complaining about yourselves, this underlying murmuring that's taking place, it's not against us. It's not against me, Moses. It's not against Aaron. No, your words are against the Lord. Your words are against God. Is this who we are going to choose to be? Is this who we are going to choose to be? Are we a people that would grumble against the Lord's provision? Can I tell you that I envision Impact City being the happiest people on earth? Not because of who we are, not because we're better than anybody else, but that we could adopt the mindset and the approach of saying God is good and he's good at every moment. And I may be going through something, but he's still good and I'm still going to smile and I'm still going to praise him. and I'm still going to lift my hands. I'm going to I am going to declare the goodness of God. Are things perfect? Absolutely not. Can things get better? Absolutely. But is God on the throne? Yes, he is. And I will bless his name. Is this who we're going to choose to be? He tells them, because the truth is that we become what we behold, what grabs a hold of us. Moses understood that. what the people didn't understand, that that we become this, if we become angry, we will become angry people. If we behold envy, we will behold jealousy. If we harbor frustration, we turn into frustrated individuals whose arguments will keep us from getting along with others. Moses knew that if the people would hold on to this grumbling, that they would become a people whose, whose heart was far from the Lord. And he was saying, before you get to that place, he said, let's turn back and let's understand everything that God has done for us. The early church leader, James, understood this as well and spoke of this in the letter to the early church. When he surveyed his congregation, he understood. He found the body of believers were adopting just all these different postures of sin, and James urged them. He urges the New Testament, just as Moses urged the people of Israel to guard themselves. To guard themselves, to remain strong with an attitude of Christ. Because if they didn't, they would become behold. They would, be, they would be beheld by the sin that was calling them, that was tempting them. And this is what he says in James 1:12. He said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. Sometimes it's just about standing and resisting. That the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it births to sin. Do you see the cycle that takes place? And then sin. And when it is full full grown, it gives birth to death. It starts with an evil desire. And then it latches on. And then after that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When it is full grown, then it gives birth to death. That's why the apostle Paul said that we have to take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Does it mean, Does it mean? are you, are you strange because you, you get bad thoughts? No, it's about what we do with that thought. We have to make it obedient to Christ and not let it find a home in your heart. Desires that tempt us to place faith in any place after or other than than the Lord. So a desire to place our faith in ourselves, in our resources, anywhere outside of God, has the potential to lead us away from the salvation of God. For Israel, that was Egypt. So let's come back to Israel. Two years later, the grumbling continues. You would have thought it would have gotten better, right? Israel is now under the guidance and the instruction of the law. And after nearly 800 days in the desert with daily provisions of manna and quail, Israel should have already surpassed the the spirit of grumbling. They should have gotten past that point. And you would think they would be living out a spirit of gratitude. But look what Numbers 11 tells us. Now the people complained about their hardships. Two years later, and they're in the same place. The people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. Although the menu was always the same, Israel, who is living in the middle of the desert because context matters, was never without food. But the Israelites would accept the food graciously and then again begin to complain and begin to grumble. And our text says that the Lord burned with anger. And he demonstrated his anger by burning away, by burning the camp's outskirts. So why do we grumble? Why do we get there? To fully understand God's position, we have to just examine and understand what this is. Given how long Israel remained in the desert, considering the number of stories that were never told, think of that for a moment because they were there for 40 years, but yet not every story that took place is found, is archived in God's Word. I'm sure Moses had a file of stories that just let us know of Israel's lack of spiritual maturity. But where Moses focuses is not that. That the story tells us that there, there were many arguments among the people. It tells us that there were a lot of com- there was a lot of conflict that that Moses struggled to find time to lead his people Moses appointed elders uh, to oversee the social and the economic issues so he could focus on leading. Moses had plenty of stories to tell, but he deliberately chose to leave them out in writing the Exodus story. But however, in the few stories that we understand uh, through the book of Exodus, twice, it was that important, twice, Moses highlights the grumbling nature of the Israelites. The sly grumble was destroying God's people. And Moses understood that it had the potential to destroy God's people in the future. Why? Because he knows, as we read in James, that that the attitude of ingratitude leads us to sin that eventually pulls us away, far away from God. That we no longer trust him. That we no longer depend on him. So why is grumbling or complaining so detrimental, so hurtful, so harmful to our faith? Because it's the complete opposite of gratitude. To grumble and to complain is to reject the grace of God. Israel's complaining surpassed. Their unmet physical needs, it was much greater than that. Their complaining was a faithless act that instituted God's provisions were not enough. In other words, what I have is not enough. I need more. And they chose to be ungrateful. For their daily drop from the sky and their rays from the ground meals and their desire to go back to slavery in Egypt saying, the life that I had before was better than this. To be fed there instead was to reject God's grace and his offer for salvation. Because Israel's salvation was so dependent upon them trusting in him. And for us, grumbling takes form of small sins in our lives. It's like discontent or fussiness or gossip or negativity or intolerance or impatience, uncompromising and unyielding mindsets and behaviors. In essence, grumbling gives us a free pass to shift our focus from faith in God's provision to our problems in life. And I'm drawing to a close. I'll say that one more time. Grumbling gives us a free pass to shift our focus and saying, you know what, I'm not going to focus on what God has given me. I'm going to focus on the problems that I have in my life. It takes our problems at hand and it turns them into the spiritual issue of The heart, which inevitably eats away at our recognition of God's grace in our lives. And it causes us to just focus on what is always wrong. Israel imagined that they would be better off dying as oppressed slaves in Egypt than free people. They couldn't even enjoy the moment right now because they were so caught up in saying, I wish I could just go back. Are you following me this morning? Although it was apparent by his provision that God would not have allowed them to die in his desert, in this desert, they were there for 40 years and they never had a change of clothes. They were there for 40 years and their shoe soles did not wear off because when God does something, he's going to do it perfect. Israel still would have chosen Death by slavery over death by starvation. And can I tell you that complaining has a power to bring us to this place. And gratitude moves us backward in thinking and ultimately living. So not just backward thinking, but backward living. And maybe you say to yourself this morning, I don't want to live life backward. And maybe you say to yourself this morning, I don't want to think backwards. Much of us live backwards. We know that we live in a place of backward living and backward thinking when we get stuck in the why. And that's how you could diagnose your heart this morning. That's how you could diagnose your mind this morning. Am I stuck in the why? Am I stuck in the why? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to live this way? Why do I have to face this? Why can't he do it? Or why can't she go through, through that? Grumbling rejects gratitude and asks why. Not just why me, but why not me? It allows, a, if we allow ourselves to reflect on our gratitude, an unquenchable emptiness can form within the why questions. And that why is birthed from the place of discontent. And this, and this discontented birth, it bursts from a posture of ingratitude where we say, this is not enough. This is not what I wanted. This is, how, this is not how things were supposed to be. There has to be something better than what I have instead of focusing on everything that we do have. And we say, why me? I don't want manna. manna. Or I'm tired of quell. I would rather have. Is there a sense of discontentment in your soul? Do you find yourself stuck in the why? So today I want to challenge you that you would, you and I individually would closely examine our thoughts, that we would closely examine our attitudes, that we would closely examine our words. And ask yourself the question, am I I complaining a lot? Do I look at my life and say, this is not enough? Or do I, am I constantly saying, I want, I wish, I had, I miss this. Do I look at others' lives? And wish that I had what they had. Wish that I had their experience, their possessions, their house, their job, their friends. These grumbles take the form of questions. It's those murmuring words under your breath. That you walk away from circumstances and and you feel a sense of discontentment. There are thoughts that cross your mind that can sometimes seep into your conversations. What I want to tell you is that a grumbling heart is the exact opposite of a grateful heart. And and I want to tell you this. That what you have, that what you're looking at doesn't need to be evil. That what you're craving doesn't need to be evil. It's not necessarily that. Often, Often it isn't. For the Israelites, for example, it was just the the simple things that for them that they were just not happy with. They, They were pursuing food, they were pursuing water, a safe passage to the promised land, a life of comfort. Their desires were not necessarily sins. But their desires for the good things somehow turned bad because they wanted them sooner than what God wanted to give them, give it to them. It was the timing They wanted those things more than they wanted God himself. Lord, help us today. So too with us. So too with us at times. We want a relaxing evening at home, but we get frustrated when our friend calls because he needs help moving we want a job that feels meaningful but yet we get stuck in between the spreadsheets or, or more significantly more significantly we want a future that we plan for but what we get a, instead we get a future that we never wanted we say unfair we say that's not right we, those desires become expectations. Those expectations become rights. And instead of bringing our disappointment to God and allowing His Word to steady us and allowing His Word to comfort us and allowing His Word to just uh, give us a new perspective, no. What what happens is that desire it festers into discontentment. We grumble and we say, "Why is he being blessed? Why is she being blessed? Why not me? Or why why am I going through this?" So I want to tell you this morning, let go of the grumbling. Let go of the grumbling. Let go of the complaining. And let's turn our focus to God. Can we do that this morning? Like all temptations, the Bible tells us that are common to man, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse uh, verse 13, all temptations that are common to man, God always provides a way out. He doesn't leave us stuck there. There's always a way out. That you may be able to endure it. That we could get to that point where we do all things without grumbling. How do I get there? Three things. This is not in your notes. So if you're take if you're take this is not in the U version app so you can take notes. You repent of difficult to control desires. When you recognize those grumbling words, stop yourself and say, what am I wanting right now that is more than God's will? What desire has grown more important than knowing Christ himself? Because grumbling does not become a problem of out there. Grumbling is a problem of in here. In addition to recognizing our own, grumb- our, our own grumbling, we need to repent of those desires. That would keep us from saying what Paul said, it is my eager expectation and hope, watch what he says, that Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or death. If I live, great, or if I die, that he would be honored. Whether by comfort or whether by disappointment, whether by hope fulfilled or whether by hope deferred, in whatever state I am in, that he would be honored, that he would be lifted up. Can can, can I get to that place? John, can you get to that place? Whether it be in this life or whether it be through death or whether it be in comfort or discomfort, that I would say that, that God would be honored in my life. The second thing is remember God's word of life because his word is the true reflection of who we are. We need God to reinterpret some circumstances for us this morning and that may be where you find yourself. Therefore, as Paul says, we put away the grumbling by holding fast to the word of life. So how do you overcome the grumbling? By looking at God's word. Take specific words of his word And apply them to your life with some intensity and hold on to them tighter than the words of discontentment that would want to sneak in. And the last thing is this, that we respond to God in faith. We repent of those desires. We remember His word and then we respond. Finally take these words and turn them back to God who is our very present help, in other words. We got to get to a point where we replace the grumbling with prayer, and a place where we replace the grumbling with praise. Jesus, we love you today, and we thank you. Let our focus be on gratitude. Let our focus be on the grace that is enough for us today. Let our focus be on what we do have. Let us count what we do have and not what we don't have because we know that you're always at work God we trust you God right now we just stop and we we say no to the temptation to grumble we say no to the temptation to complain and to look at the negative constantly and frequently and continuously right now God we choose to look we shift our focus to you you are a good, good father. You promised to take care of the birds of the sky. And you said, look at the birds of the sky. If they don't want, if they don't worry about what they're gonna eat tomorrow, why should you? You promised us that you would be with us. That when we go through fire, you'll be there with us. That when we go through the water, you'll be there with us. You have promised us that just as Jerusalem has mountains uh, that surround it, so you surround us. So today, God, help us. Help us in our temptation to grumble and help us look at how good you've been. Help us. Help us. Help us. To know that we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. everything is not perfect and while i still hurt on the inside I, i thank you for your grace that carries me day after day after day it is all because of you it is because of you so right now god we make an intentional choice to shift our focus from the problems that seem unsurmounting in our lives to your goodness and we say thank you we say thank you because you're good We say thank you because you're faithful. We say thank you because your love endures forever. We say thank you because your mercies are new every morning. We say thank you for your favor that's over our lives. We say thank you that that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I thank you that the sun will rise again. I thank you that the sun will rise again over our life over our lives. I thank you that no dark moment and no dark season is forever, but I thank you that you will make a way where there is no way. Can you just say thank you in your own way right there? Can you just say thank you right there in your own way, Lord? We thank you for the small things. I thank you for the ability to move. I thank you for the ability to be able to be mobile, God. I thank you for the ability to be able to open my mouth and praise your name. I thank you for the breath in my lungs uh, that, that I can say hallelujah. I thank you for the strength in my, my arms and my hands that I can lift them up to you. I thank you, God, for, for the small things that I, that I take for granted sometimes. I thank you right now.